0: You're listening to 89.5 on your FM dial. This is Cortez Community Radio and Max Tyson for Cortez Currents. The opinions in this program are not necessarily shared by the Cortez Radio Board of Directors or staff. Trigger warning. This episode contains men talking about feminist issues without women. There were some women advisors behind the scenes who preferred to remain off the air.
1: I think this corona thing is going to be something big (laughs) today we'll be
0: taking a look at the impacts of the covid-19 pandemic on our local food systems on some of our frontline workers in the grocery business as well as um, some of the lessons that might be learned about how we value different roles in society We'll be speaking
2: with Bill Dugan, Gorge Harbor Marina, and my name is Eric, and I'm the general manager at the Cortez National Food Co-op.
0: The pandemic has changed life for a lot of us. For those in the grocery business, staying home isn't an option, and adapting in short order has been the name of the game.
1: So I guess, you know, I was sort of enjoying the last couple of months of it being slow and quiet. Well the first thing that changed was my um, two and a half week holiday got cut down to uh, three and a half days. So that was the first thing that happened. So in a matter of about 10
2: days, the sales in the store doubled. We had to close the cafe, we had to close our bulk bins, we had to institute a whole new cleaning regime. Yeah, all the other protocols that have gone along with it, like physical distancing and hand sanitizer at the doors. There's been a lot of change in a short amount of time. Another thing we've done is we've added delivery and pickup options, and that's turned out to be a lot of work. So our staff has had to work quite a bit harder um, because we've had to do just a lot more work for people instead of them doing it themselves.
1: very difficult to go from doing something you've done for, say, 12 years, which inevitably becomes a routine, and to drastically have to question every single thing that you're doing in your operation. So how has it changed? Everything has changed.
0: While managing the daily changes to policies and procedures, grocery store frontline staff also have to manage the risks to their own personal health, the health of their customers, and an increased level of scrutiny.
1: It's stressful. If I watch the news I feel, Jesus Christ, what the hell am I doing going into work? I should just close the joint down. <laughs> so I don't turn on the TV. Tammy got me um this watch and um this watch tells your heart rate. And you know, when I first started wearing it, I was like amazed. I was like, Wow, my resting heart rate is consistently about forty seven or forty eight, which is which is really low, right? It averages sixty six now. <laughs> my
2: workload has gone pretty crazy over the past few weeks because we're trying to adapt all of our systems in order to meet the new reality.
0: And what about folks stocking shelves or working the till?
2: You know, the store staff in particular are having a hard time, you know, they're having hard times with customers, they're having a hard time with all the changes that are going on. And they do have to be a bit more conscientious about how they're doing their work because of all of the recommendations from the government about this and that. People are watching us more than ever. Do you wash your hands before you grab my cup of coffee? We actually had two people who decided to leave because they weren't comfortable working in public under these conditions. They were basically just um, not ready to expose themselves in such a frontline situation. So we had two people leave, and then we had three people come down sick And because of the concern about the virus, anybody who displays any symptoms all of a sudden has to be home for at least 10 days. So that was half of our staff in the store. We lost 5
1: out of 10 people. So there is an increased level, obviously, of risk in their job. This is one of those situations where we got to put the staff in charge, right? So it's like, you know, here's a decision that we can't make that that you have to make, you know, and that is, are you comfortable coming to work every day?
0: Any other hazards?
1: Like over a million Canadians returned home over a six-day span. You know, those ones that came back to Cortez um, or came up here from the States right before the border closed, the last place they would go before they went to their house to um, quarantine themselves for 14 days was the store. You know, or the post office. And it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but what the hell are you doing here, right?
0: An increased workload, work intensity, constantly shifting procedures, hazards to personal health, two weeks off if you're sick. Anything else?
1: You know, I had to talk with staff about what you're doing outside of work can greatly affect everybody else that you work with. Um, you know so if you're hanging out with so-and-so who you know has been out partying and been all over the place and doesn't really care you're taking a risk and that's fine i don't care you can take all the risks that you want in your life but when you involve me or my staff then that's a problem
0: and despite these hazards and stressors the staff at the stores Have stepped up as heroes.
1: They're far more, far more inclined to make sure everything is done to a T than I am. Even they drive me more to be better at, you know, social distancing and you know, make sure every pen is bleached down every half an hour after it's been used by people to sign, and carts are you know wiped down and that. Three weeks ago, there was a level of stress in them that was obvious to see every day. They have a routine now. I'm really proud of actually the way the co-op staff in general has stepped up to help
2: because they are always saying to me, what can I do next? What can I do to help? And instead of backing away from the problem, you know, we're like going at it full on. They're not saying explicitly, but they're saying, give us more. We want more to do. We want, this is actually fulfilling, even though it's hard. Um, it feels like we're actually doing something really important. The stores have stepped
0: up to support their staff through these challenging times.
1: So then we started rounding up the safety gear that we felt was needed, um, you know, as going as far as N95 masks and all of that. One, for them to be safer and to feel safer, and for the customers to feel safer.
2: So we are trying to support workers who've had to stay home sick or stay home because of uh, travel restrictions and then doing self-isolation. And what we decided to do so far is um, just pay people the equivalent of EI, basically, while they have to stay home.
0: And so, like me, you're probably realizing, as if for the first time, just how valuable these people are in our lives.
1: There's probably at least at least two emails a day. You know, some days there, there might be ten emails a day. If just people just emailing and say, hey, thanks, I was in there today, appreciate you guys being open still sort of thing.
0: So customers too are having to make some adjustments, and some are finding some challenges.
1: Um,
2: The people on the front lines and in the grocery industry or in general are providing a valuable service that people pretty much just take for granted. Um, We've definitely had customers recognize that we're providing an important service and that there are a lot of links in the chain to get them the food that they're looking for. But at the same time, there's been a lot of fear around getting food and having enough food and having enough. And that causes people to act more selfish. So we've seen a bit of both. We've, seen, we've definitely seen gratitude and recognition of what we're doing. We've also seen people really get upset when we can't get them what they want or when it's not available or when they think we're not working
1: hard enough to do something on their behalf. It's brought out the best in people so far on cortez that i've seen anyways you know people are grateful they are appreciative they are they are saying it you know um they might not like that the chicken is you know a dollar more here than it is in town but they're just happy they can get chicken sort of thing you know so priorities have changed in people's minds what's what's important and what's not so i can always go to town to buy my food but now <laughs> It's different, so you know, perspective changes on things.
0: Our new perspective on those friendly faces at our end of the modern food chain should change how we value them, and how we compensate
2: them. BC's been on a trajectory of increasing minimum wage for three or four years now. They laid out a plan to go from eleven dollars an hour up to fifteen, twenty in about five years. Um, and our average wage at the co-op is. Uh, for the store staff is higher than that. it's about seventeen fifty. but you know that's just an average. Most cashiers start off at you know between fourteen and fifteen dollars an hour. So we were glad to participate in the minimum wage increases. You know We decided with the last minimum wage increase that we get everybody in the
1: organization a dollar an hour more. Anybody starting in the store would start at about $2 more than the minimum wage, and then the top person in the store would be making about 6 or $7 more than the minimum wage. I feel that our staff are, are paid fairly, for sure. You know, we've always had, like the motto of pay people as much as we can, as opposed to as little. Until this event, they've taken it for granted
2: that there's food available, that the food is cheap, and that they can kind of get anything that they want. So, yeah, but at the same time, the grocery industry is, uh, there's lots of very big organizations in it that have a lot of money who can afford to keep prices really low and pay people really low in order to keep those food prices down. And, uh, and that's just the way the industry has evolved, I think, because it's food is a common item. Um. And we may see that to change. Hang on there, Eric.
0: I'm excited about that too, but I want to hear some more about these wages. As long as we have the
1: capitalist system, supply and demand is really the driving force in in how much people people get paid. And the day that your average grocery store clerk gets paid thirty five dollars is the day that you're paying ten bucks for an apple, right? And if anything this pandemic
2: has shown how important grocery stores and food is for livelihoods because you know right now besides healthcare workers we're the most exposed and we're the most important in terms of actually keeping our society going and it's you know I have to say it's a really ironic situation because most people are sitting at home and some people are working and some people aren't and
1: um, we're working harder than ever If I asked anybody out on the street right now, on Cortez or anywhere else, hey, do you think that that grocery store worker is worth two bucks an hour or more? They go, damn right he is. Are you willing to pay two bucks more for your chicken every time that you go in there and a buck more for your quarter milk? No.
0: Huh. So it sounds like people's price sensitivity is one of the things that drives wages down and keeps them down there. What do you think, Eric?
2: that's sort of the traditional line in why grocery prices in the grocery business is uh, not profitable and doesn't pay people a lot is because it's so quote unquote competitive um, but to be honest every industry is competitive and i think it goes back to that saying that you know if you need something then you want to pay as little as possible and if you want something you'll pay as much as necessary So you could say the auto industry is highly competitive, you could say the software industry is highly competitive, but all of those people are making plenty of money. I think it just has to do with the history of the food business, and because it is so common, it has become relatively cheap, along with the fact that people don't recognize and we're not accounting for the actual costs of what
1: it takes to produce food. Bill. Jump on that. Is your job as a laborer in a construction site really worth more than that woman working in the grocery store? You know? And that is maybe the question that should be asked, right? Because if you look at grocery store workers, um, most of them are women. You know, it might not be great to say, but maybe that's one of the reasons why traditionally. And so now these people are on the front line. And the construction guys are all been sent home, you know. So, that might be a a different way to look at this, you know. Not so much about, you know, is like the grocery store person getting paid enough, but is that work just as valuable? as that guy getting paid 20 bucks an hour? And it's hard to argue now, today, as we sit here, that it isn't. Because those guys making all that money... Are at home now because it's too risky for them to work. But that grocery store worker, you just keep putting along there. Interesting, eh? Maybe it is a uh, um, a biased thing, uh, not putting um, an important enough value not just on the grocery store worker, but on the child care worker um, and all those other fields that women excel at. Nobody has a problem paying a half a million dollars for a house that was built by men, but I don't want to pay ten bucks for a bag of potatoes. Whew. You guys are getting pretty radical. You're lucky this
0: is independent radio. Can you connect this to the larger picture of the rest of the food chain for me?
1: Where is the money being made in food? The farmer? Is like the farmer making all the money? I don't think so. Is that person transporting it from the farmer to the the warehouse? Are they making the money? Maybe they are. I don't know, right? The grocery stores, traditionally big chain grocery stores, make 1% to 2%. So in other words, they're they're only making money on volume. So, you know, for every thousand dollars you're making ten bucks.
2: So, you know, you look at the price of an organic avocado and it's two ninety five, you're like, wow, that's expensive. Well, if it actually took into account all of the costs associated with the production and transport of that avocado, we just wouldn't have avocados because they'd be too expensive. And that's probably the way of the future. (laughs) At least I hope it is in the sense that I hope we take into account what the costs of all those things
1: are.
0: And our society's confused value system probably has an impact on other parts of the modern food chain.
2: I have been looking a little bit down the chain, as they say, as far as food goes. And I think the biggest concern is having enough people to actually pick the fruit, because there's a huge seasonal migration every year of people coming from Mexico and Central America coming north, and they do a lot of the fruit picking and um, vegetable picking and all of that. And so that's all up in the air right now. I think that Canada is allowing its temporary foreign worker program to continue, but there's a question about whether those people can travel through the United States in order to get here. Um, and we don't know the answer to that yet. So it's uh, it's an interesting situation. Again, because of the way the industry is right now, we could end up with lots of fruit rotting in the Okanagan because there's no one to pick it. And we're gonna have to get our apples from New Zealand, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense in any way. And yet there it is. And I think that's probably the biggest concern is just um, who's going to do the picking. And it's rather ironic considering that unemployment in Canada and the U.S. will probably be 15 or 20 percent. And yet no one is willing to pick fruit in order to feed ourselves. Again, that goes back to the way, the way the industry has developed and trying to keep food as cheap as possible. Imagine a world where picking fruit is a respectable job and you can make plenty of money doing it just like tree planting, right? What if fruit picking were just like tree planting and you went out and you spent your three to six months doing your, your picking and and then you got your other six months to nine months off out of the year. But that three to six months you worked takes care of you for the whole year in terms of dollars. Imagine that.
0: All right. We got to pivot to talking about some solutions here. Um, I think the grocery industry could
2: pay people very well. I think it's not exactly an accident of history, but an accident of the way our culture is oriented and the way our history has gone that that's the way it is. And I think it can change. Um, I think this pandemic has shown people more than ever how important food is. And maybe it will lead us getting back to basics. Maybe we can do without the Xbox and pay a little bit more for our food and uh, pay a little bit more attention to how it's produced and who's producing
1: it. And I, uh, I look forward to that. Bill. Can people change people's purchasing habits? Like we're throwing out food now that we would fly through and stuff that we would never sell. We can't get enough of it in because two things. One is, you know, more people are shopping on Island for starters. So that adds like a new mix, but the same people that were buying X last week are not buying X today. They, they don't even want X. They go right for Y now. Like, People's eating habits have changed. When they feel that there is a crisis, um, you know, junk food no longer sells. Produce, I can't keep it uh, in stock. Like, you know, suddenly everybody's baking bread. There's, There's 50 loaves of bread sitting on the shelf. But no, 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 man, I need 20 pounds of flour. And people can change when they want. We can't do anything about the global warming. It's impossible. We have to shut everything down. We can't do that. Take a look in the mirror, man. Everything is shut down, buddy. (laughs) Nothing is happening. So we can do whatever we want. Okay, so what do we want? Hey, Max, come on over for a couple beers after work. We'll sit six feet apart and chit-chat for a while.
0: Let's stay focused here, Bill. Um, How do we get more money into the hands of the frontline workers?
1: In order for staff in the food business to be paid more, that money only comes from one place and it comes from the food that people pay you for that they purchase inside your store even if just a small percentage of the island shifted towards
2: staying on the island just to buy their food i think all the stores on the island would see a lot uh, a lot more sales and feel a lot more stable as far as that goes i think all the stores on the island depend heavily on the summer tourist season in order to make their money. So for the co-op, pretty much we make all of our money in June, July, and August. In the shoulder seasons, we about break even. And in the winter, we lose most of the money we make in the summer. So we're just hoping that at the end of all of that, we have a little bit left over. Um, But just over the past two weeks, seeing everybody stay on the island to shop has shown just how much buying power as a community we have And if we decided to make a concerted effort to stay focused here, it would make a big difference. If everybody decided to stay on the island to do their food shopping, it could strengthen our local food system quite a bit. Because, you know, what we're running to in the co-op is that over the summer, we sell a lot of local produce, but there's still more opportunities. We just can't sell that much. More could be grown. We just aren't able to sell it. But if we were able to get everybody on the island to stay on the island to do their local produce, I'm sure that we could sell more. So like right now, over the summer, about 25% of the produce we sell is local. So apples, cucumbers, zucchini, that sort of thing. Now, all of those are a bit seasonal and you know people want what they want when they want it. Um, but without the summer tourists, if people just decided to stay on the island, we could even increase
1: that, I think and sell even more of that local produce, um, which would be really great to see. You know, I'd have conversations with uh, Nova and other people about, you know, what effect would it have on your business if ever, if everyone shopped local? And the answer always was, oh, it would, it would really help, because that's an obvious, but how much? Give me a number. I would not have even been able to guess. I don't have to guess now, I can tell you. <laughs> it makes a huge difference. And it would eventually make a huge difference on pricing on the island, for instance. You know, the busier you are, the better prices we get from our suppliers. And so the slower you are, you know, the less of an important customer you are for somebody. Even stuff like free shipping can make a gigantic difference um, on what things are charged for over here on uh, Cortez. So it's obvious that... If everybody shop local, I think we 'd have m- more jobs um, that wasn 't an issue you know a couple of months ago, but there would be more jobs, and inevitably there would be lower prices as well so why don 't people just shop local more so
2: really, um, the way you spend your money demonstrates a lot about what you value or don 't value so i I would think that it would be the same. For our local businesses, for any, you know, uh, a cucumber grown on the island might be 50 cents more than an off-island cucumber. And, uh, the people who, who are committed to buying local and who understand the importance of building a local food system will not even hesitate. It's 50 cents isn't, doesn't even cover the actual value of having locally grown food. Um, and then at the other end of the spectrum, the people who just think about the dollars would go for the cheaper one just because it's cheaper. And of course, I think there's a range of people in between. Um, but, but I think
1: ideology has everything to do with how people spend their money. There are people that live on Cortez and there are people that have a house on Cortez. And that may be controversial to say, but it's what I've always said in the sense that the people who live on Cortez shop on Cortez. And the people that have a house on Cortez will very often shop in town. And they will go to town specifically to shop. Does it make them any less of a member of the community? of not saying anything like that. Let's say you spend an
2: average, I don't know, an extra $100 a year at the co-op. Let's say you did that. Um, that money goes back into the staff. It goes back to your friends and neighbors who live on the island. It goes back into the building. It goes back into the equipment. Like, we're not reporting share- to shareholders and doing profits and dividends and all of that. All of the money stays on the island. All of the money that you spend here stays here. It doesn't go anywhere else. Um, and I think people who recognize the value of that will not hesitate to spend their money here rather than somewhere else. I smell a
0: connection here between this kind of financial sacrifice for the greater good of our community and loved ones and the sacrifices that we're being asked to make as a society uh, for the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: Bill? It's not about you. It's about everybody else. It's about your neighbor, your brother, your sister, your mother, your grandparents. It's about your responsibility to them. Yes. So we're running out of time here a
0: little bit. Uh, How about some rapid fire solutions? How about tips? Yes. So
2: just today we put a tip jar at the cash for our um, cashiers and uh, all the money would go directly to them and the people who are working that day. And definitely on deliveries, we've had some people very interested in giving us nice large tips and we appreciate that very
1: much. I don't know how I feel about asking for tips. And when there's a tip jar, I feel that you're asking for tips. So if people want a tip, that's awesome. But it's funny. Grocery store people at the gorge are the only people who don't ever really see tips from guests even when they come in the summer. So I've had a guy, I've caught a line for a guy that threw it off his boat, wrapped it around a railing and tied it. And he gave me a hundred bucks. Okay, and like the dock staff, that happens regularly. Restaurant people, of course, live off tips. And there's an expectation. Grounds people, you know, they're pulling weeds in the garden. And someone comes up and just says, this place is beautiful and hands them at $20. You know, but nobody thinks of going in and tipping the grocery store work. As far as a community draft goes, that would be interesting. You know, if you need a union, then you have an issue with, how you're running your business, and treating people, in most cases. Thank you so much, Bill and Eric,
0: for all of your thoughtful insights. We're going to have to call it there. We did reach out to the Squirrel Cove General Store, as well as the Cortez Market, for interviews, but we're not able to get them organized in time for publication but I do encourage you to uh, support those local stores as well. This has been Max Tyson for Cortez Currents. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.